from the Good Shepherd Auditorium in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where I meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today we welcome playwright Jason Huzza. A Montreal native, Jason and his wife Denise moved to the city simply to live amidst the great theater. Shortly thereafter, he tried his hand at writing a play, then a musical, then they had twins, then they had one more. And several years of chaos later, he is the book writer and lyricist for the new musicals It Happened in Key West, which is set for a U.S. premiere in January 2024 at the Fulton Opera House, The Last Match, which is just off a series of sold-out events at White Eagle Hall in New Jersey, and The Crossing, which was most recently performed as a concert in partnership with the Princeton Battlefield Society. Also, Jason is working on a song cycle with composer John Allen Watts, a new musical with Jeremiah James and composer Suhin Kim Ramsey, and is co-authoring a biography with Steve Grillo of The Howard Stern Show. When he's not doing all that, Jason can be found in and around Inwood wrangling his boys, smooching his wife, and playing with his kitties, Fuzzy Jess Butterworth and Sir Tomcat Stoppard. We are going to talk to him about all his work and many more things here about Inwood and therefore, but we welcome you first, Jason, to Inwood Artworks on Air. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you. It is an honor. Thank you. You bet. So, as legend has it, um, <laughs> and to, for you to go on record uh, for now and for all to say, um, didn't you decide to move to New York after seeing Tom Stoppard's The Coast of Utopia in its entirety? As legend has it, that is absolutely <laughs> true. I, uh, <laughs> my wife and I were living in Seattle at the time. She was a theater major and actually introduced me uh, to, to Stoppard's work. And uh, yeah, it was shortly after, after seeing uh, The Real Thing and then reading uh, almost everything he had written that we saw Coast of Utopia was coming to uh, the Vivian Beaumont. Uh, so yeah, we bought tickets, saw a trilogy of plays in one day, nine hours of theater. You break for uh, lunch, then you break for dinner, and um, you know we flew home, and Seattle was no longer um, home to us anymore. It had to be New York. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> and Inwood's been your home ever since, right? Yeah, we did a small stint in Hell's Kitchen, and then um, uh, I had a good friend, have a good friend, uh, Josh Walden, who introduced us to the neighborhood and the fact that many of the apartments up here come with dining rooms. And, you know, we'd been eating at our coffee table in Hell's <laughs> Kitchen. <laughs> we wanted to do family dinner, so you want a dining room, you come up upstate. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad to have you here and call you one of our own here. Um, but getting back, getting trucked onto your, your, your life as a playwright, if you will, uh, and having read and seen your work, uh, would you agree that uh, to Oscar Wilde and, and Tom Stoppard have been a positive influence on developing your own intelligent language-driven style of writing, as I like to refer to it. They, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, o Oscar Wilde, I couldn't think of a closer... Um, my, middle son, my last son's middle name is Wilde. I share a birthday with Oscar Wilde. I've always felt very in tune with his, just the way he sees the world, the way he just has fun with words. Uh, and just kind of the levity that he brings to his work, uh, I'm, uh, that's, that's definitely a style of work I'm attracted to. Um, and with Tom Stoppard, I mean, there's no way uh, I think a life could be more altered by the impact of seeing theater um, than the way my wife and I were. You know, we, we, we saw his play and decided we needed to be close to that quality of theater. Um, not even to participate in, in theater or try to, try to be a writer by any means, just to be here. Um, 
because, I mean, there are moments in, in, in plays where you do, you want to stand up and cheer mid-monologue as a, <laughs> that would kind of ruin decorum, but. Did your wife do that? <laughs> you know, she needs to. I don't know why she hasn't yet in one of my shows. <laughs> I should expect it by now. <laughs> Audience plant, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but no, absolutely true. Those two have been uh, the biggest influences on, on my style. Gotcha. And haven't you met Tom Stopper? I did get to meet Tom Stoppard uh, this summer. We had just seen Leopoldstadt, and he was there on the sidewalk still smoking cigarettes, which, you know, normally, you know, is, uh, you you see that, and you're always like, oh, wow, people still smoke cigarettes, weird. Uh, But you see him, and he's still, you know, the 1950s, you know, cool guy with a cigarette. That that image is still with him, and um, he was very gracious, and we, we got a chance to speak about a great many topics in a very short amount of time. So it was very much like one of his plays. <laughs> well, so, yes. I think you were, that's, that's pretty awesome. So they say, never met your heroes, but you, helped, you met one of yours. So, it, and so that's pretty I did. Great, and that's know. the only one, you know, that's, yeah. uh, there's no one else. Well, let's, t- let's take our <laughs> listeners, um, given that and your, your appreciation for style. And I think it's, you'll, you'll, it's, it's kind of amazing that the, the, the works we're talking about in your bio, you have, um, there's such a great diversity and, and they're musicals too, for the most part, which is also very difficult to write. Um, so let's dig in and take our listeners on a tour sure. of the current over of the Huzza <laughs> offerings here. Uh, so I mentioned earlier uh, and congrats on your musical happening, uh, in you. January it happened in Key West, which you did the book and additional lyrics. Um, yes. and it's making stateside premiered. I did the West end thing already. Um, so could you share with our listeners, um, you know, the story which um, prompted the, the musical, which I think is almost stranger than fiction, you I know, mean, stranger, life is stranger than fiction, you know, it's a real amazing true story. Um, and then perhaps a bit about the journey of getting the show mm. to finally being done here. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, the story itself is, it is a true story. It's based off a true story. Uh, there was a scientist named Carl von Kossel from Germany who um, in the 1920s felt driven to leave his homeland in search of what had appeared to him as the perfect woman for him out there, his dream woman, his soulmate, however you want to look at it, that she was out there in the world and that he was called upon to find her. So he did, uh, he visited all around uh, the world, South, uh, South Pacific, Australia, landed in Cuba, made his way to Key West, and in Key West uh, as... Uh, you know, 50-some-year-old uh, x-ray technician at the Na- Naval uh, Hospital down there. Uh, he met Elena Hoyos. Uh, for him, it was love at first sight. Uh, unfortunately, she was, uh, he met her at the doctor's office uh, where she was getting x-rays, and it turned out that she had tuberculosis. Um, so their, their, their time together was short-lived. He did try his best uh, using his own methodologies uh, to save her. He was unsuccessful, unfortunately. And, um, you know, after she, she passed, he built for her a lovely ma- mausoleum in the, uh, in the graveyard down in Key West and sat next to her for the next two years and read her stories and listened to music and, you know, really just spent time with the woman of his dreams. Um, what happened next is open to conjecture. Some say that it might have been formaldehyde poisoning, <laughs> something in the environment, um, or just wishful thinking or desperation, you know. Uh, however you want to look at how people process loss and, and grievances. Uh, um, but he felt like she came to him and said, take me out of here and, and bring me home. So he rescued her from the mausoleum and brought, him, brought her to his home where they lived 
uh, for seven years. And he would uh, go out on picnics and they, you know, they live very happily. He, what he says was the seven, uh, seven most happy years of his life until he was, of course, discovered. Uh, it became national news because World War II had just broken out. And the world, or at least America, really looked at this story as a modern, um, you know, Prince Charming and, and Sleeping Beauty type romance. He had a lot of support. I think America was pining for love stories. And the outpouring um, was very much like Miracle at 34th Street. You know, he had letters just coming in from all around the country, some with money to build a, uh, you know, some sort of you know, containment system <laughs> to keep her. Um, and when it went to trial, uh, he was, he was, he was exonerated and, um, you know, I won't say, um, vindicated cause they did uh, rebury her body as, 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 as is right. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it and, and we treat it almost, you know, we're billing it as, um, or we've billed it as a Rogers and Hammerstein meets, um, weekend at Bernie's, which in a lot of ways is, is accurate, but, um, you know, going to kind of the making of the story, um, you know, it is, it, it, it is a look at love and how far will you go uh, once death kind of is injected into that. So um, there are very serious and somber notes in it, but it is a comedy and it yeah. is a lot of fun. And what I think is, having seen this, um, and it's in a previous concert reading um, of it all, um, when your challenges, but I think you do really successful, uh, given that premise is to make the protagonist sympathetic uh as you're, as you're saying like you have you know people behind them but like the audience has to be behind them um and this or else because if they're not behind them from i mean you can judge them of course <laughs> but you know dramatically speaking for like he is your protagonist in this in this show and so you know it, it, he's not an anti-hero or is he um <laughs> I, I, because it depends on how strongly you feel as an audience in 2023 looking at this from 100 years ago, right? Sure. Um, but uh, I think that's, that was a great challenge you all met. And I think, again, making that into a, someone like that into a, a protagonist for a love story is quite an achievement. <laughs> Thank you. You know, the, the only source material we used, he does have a journal. He kept a journal throughout this entire process. So that was kind of our guiding star. This is his version of events. This is how he perceived, right. um, you know, what happened. And, and, and that's, you know, we didn't want to take other people's uh, accounts into consideration. This was, this was his story, um, and, and he is a sympathetic character, and I think you know, we all process loss differently. He processes it much differently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think it came from a place of honesty. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, for, for those of you who are looking forward to seeing this play out, uh, they'll have their chance in January at the Fulton Opera House in Pennsylvania, right? Yes, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's awesome. a beautiful, beautiful location. Very cool. Well, let's move on to kind of a touch on The Crossing, yes. which you did also the Book of Lyrics, which is pretty fresh for you, right? It just, per just performed as, as a concert in partnership with the Princeton Battlefield Society in New Jersey. Um, this is not your typical stage musical. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a site-specific piece, correct? Uh, it is site-specific. Yeah, uh, yeah the, uh, yes. The, so this is... Um, <laughs> so what I like to say... So um, side note, when we did do uh, It Happened in Key West um, on the West End, um, on opening night... Uh, or press night, uh, I guess, uh, I, I, I went outside and my dad uh, had texted me asking how, how it went. And I stepped outside to text him and then, you know, there's people smoking. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to walk 20 feet this way, pull up my phone and I'll just call him instead of text him. Um, I'm dialing or I'm, I'm looking to, to, to call him on my phone and a guy comes up and asks if I have a lighter. I say, I don't have a lighter. 
Uh, and then he pulls out a knife and robs me on uh, press night, 20 feet from the marquee for it happened in Key West, at, in, you know, right by Trafalgar Square in London. And I couldn't believe it. And the worst part was, well, many worst parts, but I had a pocket full of per diem that I had been given that day. So it was in one envelope. There was no finagling, no being sneaky about it. So he got, so he, you know, he got me. So um, that was my experience with that. So when a composer uh, uh, reached out and one of the producers for Key West uh, put us together, um, and he, he had an interest in writing a show on Washington's uh, Crossing the Delaware, I really had a chip on my shoulder and really wanted to stick it to the British. So <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, no, I'm joking. The, uh, <laughs> it's okay. For those of you who know, we're, we're recording this just after Independence Day and we're within our rights to stick <laughs> it to the right. British, okay? <laughs> uh, no, this was something that, was, that we had just settled on, on doing right before we went to London. Um, but no, I, you know, as a, especially as a non-American, right? We came here from Montreal when I was 11. Um, and, you know, I call it, um, um, oh, what's the word? Um, oh, you tell me, buddy. It's your oh, story. Wow. Yeah, sorry. Dead, it's only a podcast. Dead. All the dead space. Will, 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 everyone just turned off their podcast. I know, sorry. Lot, history <laughs> envy. I call it history envy, right? Okay. You learn Canadian history as a kid, and you're like, you're falling asleep, right? Then right. you come to... America and start you know, learning America's history, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting, right? This is riveting. And then you see the famous painting of Washington. Charles Bronson could star as George Washington. That's right. I mean, he says exactly. <laughs> That'd be a good casting. <laughs> There's enough violence in this country to fill a book of like, it's just one long action movie, man. <laughs> it is. Um, but this one, you know, there's just something about that painting and something about um, that time period where the sacrifice involved and the elements that these people uh, endured and the lack of food and, and uh, you know, they had the world's biggest, largest army breathing down your necks and just, you know, what it took to, I guess, push, push forward. But then again, you know, we also have, I mean, there's not like there's a shortage of uh, shows out there that, that celebrate some of the, the notable figures from back then. So I guess our premise was, well, who are the other people in the boat, right? The boat's filled with, you know, famously 13 people to represent the 13 colonies. And we know uh, Washington and uh, Monroe's in there and probably Billy Lee, uh, George Washington's slave. But, you know, what is his story, right? What is the other person of color that's in the boat's story? What is the androgynous person who probably could be a woman? What's her story? You know, we, and, and then we live that history right here in Inwood, right? We have Inwood Farm that has the Hessian, um, the farmhouse that has the Hessian yeah. barracks right behind it. You have Margaret Cor Corbin, uh, road just up at Fort Tryon. You know, there's a composite of her in the show where she famously picked up the the cannon after her husband fell in battle. Picked up the cannon just you know, you know, just a couple hundred yards from where we're sitting right now, yep. uh, and drew the first pension. The U.S. Army pension for a woman uh, came from Margaret Corbin. So we have her in there, and these are just some of the stories that we've uncovered through the uh, research process with this show. Um, you know, and it's and it's. I don't know. It's been very gratifying uh, working on this show as a as a fan of history and a fan of local history. It's it's all around us. So very cool, very cool. We're looking forward to seeing how that develops. Um, and you're gonna have to go out to Princeton Battlefield to see it. That's the thing because <laughs> it's very much about that world. Um, so to touch on the, the third current work of yours, mm. to say that your trip to your trifecta, if you will, <laughs> um, and and you know they all can be more different. Like I said, uh, I want to bring up the last match. Last so match. so my my wife and I caught one of the performances at White Eagle Hall. 
Um, it was almost long as the Coast Utopia in three parts. Because, <laughs> but, and, I, and I mean this in a good way. You're never going to hear this otherwise. Because everyone was cheering and booing the villain and uh, and, and and hissing uh, the other foil and uh, and uh, as you would at a... At a, at a, a WWF, as I say back in the day, big time wrestling, if you will. But uh, it was it was it's what I would call a musical rock and wrestling experience. Um, that's that's how I define it. And it was a blast. And you know, it's, and big time wrestling was always theatrical, but it takes it to a different level. So, can you tell us our, tell our listeners about it and how this this experience came to be and and where it's at now? Sure. Um, yeah. So this is um you know this is another one. So this was the the original concept was from Jeremiah James. He's a you know he's he's one of the book writers on on Happening Key West and uh, the producer, uh, and then the uh, lead producer on Last Match. And we've just become uh, friends over the years. You know we have multiple projects, but then also just uh, genuine friends through this process. And he, you know, at the at the opening of It Happened in Key West, he was wearing an uh, Ultimate Warrior shirt under his blazer, you know, on the <laughs> to take questions that day. So as one does, he, as one does. So he's always been. Did dedicated. he have tassels on his biceps too, by any chance? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he needs them. I think we all need them. <laughs> Uh, so this was his idea, and, it, it, and um, you know, it was kind of like, how do you how do you piece together a show uh, formed around wrestling that's still a narrative, um, but then also incorporates uh, real wrestling and has a wrestling ring, but then also, you know, because this isn't a wrestling match, and it's also not just a just a piece of theater. It's also not a musical. It's not just a rock show. It's kind it's it's a sporting event. It's it's. It's become something that um, is really special to us, and I think something that the audience is really um, uh, grabbed onto. But I'll tell you, from the beginning, this was something that was written in the depths of COVID. This was at the most dire time when things were really dark, and it was really, um, you know, but we had people leaving the neighborhood. I had been laid off. The kids were, you know, doing school by, by Zoom, and you know, it was an it, awful time. It was an awful time for everybody, right? And. Um, this was one of those projects that really, you know, we said there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And when we reach that moment, we just want to get together and have fun, right? We just, let's celebrate all things human, all things joyous, um, you know, and just be in a room where we can, you know, almost like in a sporting event, right? Like I was at the Yankee games last week and the Yankee game last week. And, uh, you know, when your team scores, you, the guy next to you might pat you on the shoulder. You, you grab the person in front of you and you're cheering together and you're doing the wave together. And, you know, like there's a very communal experience to sporting events that aren't necessarily in musical theater. Um, you know, and then there's the, so it's kind of long winded here, but um, this this entire show was just when we get out of COVID, let's go have the time of our lives. So the whole intent was to make the most fun show that we could. And you did. And, you, and I was saying it, it was, it was, you know, a blast, like I said, and you, pre, and you pretty much had the whole cast of Hello Dolly, um, Sans, Leah, Michelle, but I don't know, maybe she was one of the Mexican wrestlers in a mask for all I know, you never know, uh, <laughs> on their day off, body slamming and suplexing each other through song. And, uh, and, and that itself was worth the price of admission. Uh, yeah, there's still a great f joyous rock score. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> I'm not not that you need my permission, anybody in the world listening to this, but I think we do need to have more musicals and more plays that are joyous and are not, you know, this is how I want you to think. This is how it should be. You know, everything is heavy. Boy, life is hard. Well, yeah, we all know everything is heavy. It can be at times. We know life is and can be hard. But, you know, life can also be very joyous and we can have some fun. And I couldn't say it any better after the past two or three years of 
of exile <laughs> into yeah. our own yeah. domiciles. Um, <laughs> we we need to get out and celebrate being together as a community. And I think, um, you know, just as a theater producer and as one in what artworks, pushing things forward with our events, I mean, audiences still are not 100% back. I said they're 70% back, I would mm -hmm. think. And, um, and I think more shows like yours um, – Will will help make that happen, and so and so. Where is it? Now, where is it at now? With Latin X match. Um, so, you know, we did we did the four four performances. Um, like you said, we had yep. uh, some fantastic actors involved, top to bottom. You know, we had Ramin Karimlu um, yeah. from Funny Girl, uh, yeah. Liz McCartney from Funny Girl, uh, Amber Ardolino, who's yeah. now in. Um, yeah, let me actually free switch. How how did how, what did you learn from that experience? Like moving the show forward like in, in the uh, the writing of it and then putting it together like what do you what do you learn from, like, is that, that those tryouts if you will yeah. in white <laughs> well Eagle the biggest Hall. one was in rehearsal yeah. the show runs two hours right. uh, in in practicality it ran just under three <laughs> so that is something that we're gonna have to uh, account yeah. for because there was such uh, crowd interaction yeah. and this was at White Eagle Hall this was a concert yeah. venue there were some seats but it was mostly standing up or it was a mix of the two. It was probably half the people yeah. were sitting, half were standing. So, you know, to be asked to stand for three hours, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, but the audience was with us the entire time. Totally. You know, they were cheering the whole time. We probably could have let it go for another hour. And I think people would have been into it. You know, we had WWE stars. Matt Cardona had been in the WWE for 15 years. He's there wrestling Ramin. And then we have people from all walks of life, you know. And it really had this musical theater slash wrestling world. It was about 60, 40 audience wise. Yeah. Um, so we're really leaning into that. You know that wrestling fans, um, you know, really responded to it. Musical theater fans really responded to it. So the next steps, um, they are up in the air. Uh, there's some surprises we're not yet to reveal. Thunder Rosa, the, the woman's uh, AEW champ out of Mexico City, just uh, she recorded one of her songs in Spanish. So that is coming out later this month on her birthday. Very cool. Uh, July and you can hear it on Spotify, right? And oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. The concept album's out on Spotify. Uh, you can hear um, you can hear what we have up there, and then is that lastmatch.com as well, or something like that. Uh, Lastmatchmusical.com. Musical. Yeah. Yep, and uh, you'll see all the next. Well, the next steps aren't announced, right? But they're coming. But I'm just saying, like, they're very soon. get people. We don't want to. We don't want to spoil anything coming up. But saying, but saying, send people there so they yes. can keep on the tabs. Yeah, of join what's, the what's happening this because there will be announcements coming up soon. Very soon. Very soon. There you and, go. Uh, yeah, that's the best way to stay in touch. But yeah, yeah, right. Good. We just want to make sure we get. People, you know, lead the carrot there. Story, you know, come come see more Last Match. Yes. But come see more joyous music. You will be able to see it. Another Who's so, experience, if very you will. Exciting. Um, which leads me to ask, what do yeah. you have in the creative pipeline now that you got these three things kind of like they're out in the world and they're moving forward now. So you have uh, you have time to yeah. focus on other other places other than your family, of course. So yeah, I was well, curious was just curious what's what's simmering now with you. What's going on what's going on now? Well, you know, yeah. that's that's always been the thing, right? Like I like staying busy. Um, and you're a multitasker too. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I had I have two other uh, musicals that I'm working on right now. Uh, one of them, the first draft is done, and almost all the songs are done um, with Sujin Kim. She just MD'd uh, for uh, K-pop uh, on Broadway, and then with Jeremiah uh, and I are working on that one again. Um, then I have a series of. Well, no, a series of songs. I'm doing a song cycle with John Allen Watts, the composer uh, who I worked with on The Crossing. This is much more a Cole Porter type uh, affair, very uh, lyric driven, you know, very, um, you know, how much fun can you have counting syllables and making unorthodox pairings? That's, uh, 
that's what I think about. You know, when I'm on the subway, if people have ever seen me, I'm sitting there just count. You might see my fingers just tapping one. <laughs> All I'm doing is counting syllables in my head because it's just and then stressing the sounds up and down. That's where I find uh, my joy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, so. so if you see Jason on the subway, he's not talking to himself like a crazy person. He's writing a musical. Uh, yes, I am writing a musical. And and half of, Key, you know, there, there's whole chunks of Key West where the first draft of, of the version, obviously, you know, Jill Santiarello did Tale of Two Cities. Uh, book and did book music and lyrics for Key West. Took some of these songs and made them uh, professional, because as this was my first uh, attempt at a musical. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just there's so much fun in 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 finding um, finding finding perfect rhymes. It's just it's so gratifying, and that's frankly what I'm doing with well, with half the, my time. The fact that you have fun doing it, it comes through in your work. I think. <laughs> I think you. it does. And uh, so, you. and maybe who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, a production up here in Edwood one of these days. Uh, should should we ever get a theater up here? Uh, I mean, we're here at Good Shepherd Auditorium, which is awesome. Um, and so we have great partnerships, but obviously we need to run things a little longer than a, a weekend here. So we'd, we'd like to have maybe, hopefully we'll, hopefully in what artworks, if, if we can still stick around and keep doing <laughs> the work that we're doing, maybe we'll get one of these days. Yeah, well, there's not a better place. I mean, Inwood is fantastic and there's been so many talented people. I mean, it's, it's shocking just, you know, just walking the sidewalk right next to you, just in Inwood, just, you know, we, even when we moved into our building on Cooper Street, I mean, the, the first, one of the first couples we met, you know, uh, she was in Chicago at the time, and her husband was a financial advisor for uh, Morgan Stanley, I believe, but we had seen him in Spamalot in Seattle <laughs> in 2006, and, you know, and then you're now your neighbors, so it's just, you know, it's such a cool neighborhood, and, uh, yeah, everything, everything you and everything can... Uh, do and your entire team with Inwood Artworks is so uh, inspiring. So, thanks, Jason. Appreciate that. And uh, well, as a longtime resident, I mean, mm -hmm. has the neighborhood inspired and found its way into your work? Mm -hmm. That'd be kind of fun to share with the community. You know, absolutely, it has. Uh, so when we first had the twins, uh, you know, because obviously making theater is such a collaborative effort, and right. it takes, you know, well, 30, 40, 50 people to get a show made. You know, yeah. minimum, right? So when we had twins, there was just no time for uh rehearsals or for anything like that uh so i was like what kind of writing could i do uh that doesn't require 50 people to to, to do something with it so i turned my attention to um novel writing and you know it was a good uh change of pace it is something you can do you're not limited limited to the constraints of what is possible on stage it's just a different medium and uh, gratifying in its own way um but the last book that i did and 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 it was published um just 2018, give or take. Uh, almost the entire book takes place in Inwood. Um, and, you know, and that's just, uh, that was just me, you know, going on walks with my kids and just seeing the neighborhood and getting to know people in the neighborhood and the boys' teachers and, you know, the parents at the playground. I mean, it, it, there's just something special about uh, Inwood, I find. And, you know, I used to tell people I lived up here all the time. And then I stopped cold turkey. And I was like, you know what? Now I got. I feel like we need to protect this neighborhood. This is uh, <laughs> unique. So I just kept my mouth shut. You know. Now I tell people it's terrible up here. I'm like, oh, don't come <laughs> no. up here. This is a. <laughs> There's <laughs> like artists. A, you don't want. They're <laughs> yeah, no, dangerous people. Shooing people away. <laughs> but um, yeah. So that whole book, the entire book, takes place uh, in Inwood. So. Um, so yeah. It which which what's it called? Oh and yeah. Where can uh, they get it? <laughs> if it around. It's called Emma and Adam. Um, you know, side note, it was my literary agent. Um, you know, she she kept uh, she kept pushing me to write something a little bit more commercial, I suppose. Um, and, and this might be 
too long-winded a story, but um, I was like, okay, you know, I, I don't know what translates as commercial. I don't, I, you know, it's, it's kind of why the musicals are all, all different. Like, all my books are very different. This was, this was one of the things that she had a, a principal problem, right? Like, my first, uh, you know, I wrote a Western, and I wrote a sci-fi book, and then I wrote another sci-fi book, and then I wrote a medieval one, right? Then I wrote a pseudo-memoir on growing up in the 90s and going, sneaking off to go see DJs up in D.C. and Philly, right? And every time I send her in a, a new book, she'd, she'd be like, why can't you just stay on topic, right? <laughs> like, write a... <laughs> You're not Danielle Steele. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, why can't you be more like Danielle Steele? That's like a constant thing. And I'm like, well, no, I can't, can't do the same thing twice. I, you know, I don't even think I could write if I had to do the same thing twice. So she was like, make me something commercial. I'm like, all right, you want something commercial? Here. And I was like, I'm going to write the anti commercial book. So it is actually a very sad book. It's the saddest book I've written. I was like, I'm just going to make people miserable because you're making me miserable. And <laughs> I actually do love the you book. You agents it is, out there take note. I know. I, I love the book, and it, but it is. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go for it. This is a roman anti-romance story. It's going to be the saddest romance story you've ever read. And it was the first one of my books that got published. So go figure. <laughs> Maybe she was on to something. Maybe I ought to, I ought to stop butting heads. But... Um, <laughs> So That's, yeah, well, that one takes place. You'll see every nook and cranny of this neighborhood represented in that book. So Awesome. And I do love it. Well, Jason, you have an incredible diaspora of work, like I said, and we having touched on the plays, which I think is a, probably a whole separate podcast. We'll do part <laughs> two on the plays you have rolling. Um, but uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, before we say goodbye, where can we send people to find out more about your work and what's going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably the easiest would be just jasonhuza.com, just my name, J-A-S-O-N-H-U-Z-A.com. Uh, all these shows obviously have their own website. I think uh, Key West Musical, The Crossing Musical, lastmatchmusical.com. Uh, you can find out about those specifically. Uh, but on my website, you'll see links to the books. You'll see links to the plays, excerpts from plays, video from some of what we've done in the past. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff on there, uh, you know, where you can, where you can find about what's, what's going on in Jason World. All right. Go to Jason World. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be jasonworld.com by the time he's finished with it all. And he, take, and he goes to take over the world, pinky, pinky in the brain, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> well, uh, thanks again to Jason Huza for uh, joining me on this Artist Spotlight episode of In What Artworks On Air. It's where I meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. Uh, if you have a moment right now, please share this podcast and share some love by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcast. It really does help. Many thanks to Good Shepherd here for hosting us and also to Hidesites.com for Uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo at inwoodartworks. Be sure to follow us on social media to keep up all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, Pop Art Galleries, live performances, and so much more. Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. And Inwood Artworks programming is made possible with the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of the Office of the Governor and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. <laughs> <laughs>